enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene. We welcome you to join us in a study of God's Word today. May God open your heart and mind as you listen to the eternal truths found in His Word. I'm going to share with you in a moment uh, a passage of Scripture that I skip over a lot. Uh, one that, uh, in reading, I've just never just kind of focused on before. But in preparing for this week, I just found myself really being like ha- having eyes opened. And uh, wonderful, I want to share that with you. I, I had a a preaching professor once say to me, he says, you know, on all your sermon prep and guiding us through how to do that and to do that prayerfully and carefully, and one of the things he said is, he said, pay special attention to the passage of scriptures you want to you want to skip over. <laughs> pay special attention to the passages that uh, you don't want to focus on. And, and it's so true. I found that again and again. And this one wasn't because it's anything particularly difficult or something. It's just I don't know, it's just kind of an aside in what seems to be a greater story. And I'm going to share with you a little bit of the details of the greater story first. Uh, It's a story we all know very well. It's in John chapter 4. It's a story of the woman at the well. This story is that um, Jesus has been traveling. He stops at at the well, at Jacob's well, and he's thirsty, and he's waiting there. And this woman comes, and she goes to the well because she needs some water. That water is going to feed her home, it's going to water her uh, livestock, it's going to be used for cleaning. Whatever purpose she needs it for, she goes to the well. It is time. So she's got her jar, she's, she goes to the well, she sees Jesus there, and he's tired and he's looking for a drink. And so Jesus asks her for a drink. And of course the lady says to him, says, wait a minute, why are you talking with me? Don't you know you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, like this is obvious, we don't talk, we don't associate. And it's true, they didn't. And it wasn't just because, um, you know, one group didn't like the other, although that was definitely true. There's a whole history to that. A history of them believing, of, of the Jewish people believing the Samaritans had the combined false religions with their religion. That they had been somehow tainted by the outside world because that group of people were the group of people that started settling the land when the Jewish people were off in exile. So when they came back and they, they saw them there and they said, wait a minute, you've been watering down our faith. You've been merging it with other thoughts and other beliefs. We can't have that. And so there was, a, there was an animosity there. There was, a, there was a thought that they were a threat to their identity. All, all that just kind of goes into this kind of warning. Wait a minute, we don't usually associate, do we? But Jesus uh, asks her for water. And, uh, and the woman says, uh, why are you asking me for this drink? And Jesus ends up saying to her, you know, if you had asked me for water, I would have given you living water, water that was abundant, water that flowed. I would have given you water that you know nothing about. And she immediately thinks, oh, well, I want that. I don't want to keep coming to the well. Like, if we can just pipe that right into the house, this is going to be great. And so she's excited about this. And Jesus says, well, go get, go get your husband. And she regretfully says, no, I don't, I don't have a husband. And Jesus knows her. And he says, yeah, you're right. Truth is, you've had five husbands, and the one you're with now isn't your husband. And, uh, and she realized, she's like, okay, this guy's special. And she asked him, are you a prophet? Because it seems you, you, you really know who I am. And they end up asking questions about the right place to worship. 
She says, if you're this prophet, tell me about where we should worship, because Samaritans and Jews have different opinions about this. It all goes back to that history. We have different opinions about how we worship. And, uh, and Jesus says the importance isn't about where you're worshiping or how. It's all about connecting with where the Spirit of God is and what the Spirit of God is doing to worship in spirit. And she says, okay, this is going to happen when the Messiah comes back. And Jesus says, that's who you're talking with. This, this is all Tim's translation. If you're following along in your Bible, the word's going to be slightly off. But uh, this, is, this is a recap of what has just happened. And it's at this point that we come to uh, the passage we're at. But he taught her to look at water differently. She starts to realize that perhaps he's meaning something different when he talks about if you had asked me, I would have given you living water. He means something differently. Sometimes we look at things like water just a little bit differently. I'll tell you that uh, after doing that uh, beach to beacon, water took on all new significance. <laughs> like it was, it was my life. Uh, I needed that. All those stations were blessings. Uh, but... Um, uh, she, she begins to look at it differently. I, I, there was a, a teenager in the area, in, in South Portland. I was uh, going to that church. There was a teenager there who went to a special youth event. And there, there was a challenge that uh, one of the speakers gave to everyone. It was a hidden challenge. But she held on to it. She said, uh, the, the speaker asked the audience, I want you to pick a number, one, two, or three. Pick a number. Get it in your mind. And then he yelled out to them, okay, hold up, hold up that number. They all held up their hand, one or two or three. And uh, he says, okay, that's your number. And, and this, there was this push for, um, uh, the context of this was there, was there had been a push for the work the church was doing in areas of the country that didn't have access to water and uh, how important water was for their very life and in the deliverance of water for them, of course, the gospel was being shared, but how important water was. And so he challenged the all the teens, all the, all the youth there to a, I don't know what to call it, like a reverse fast. So he said to them, for all of you who held up a one, I'm going to ask you for one full day, one full day, drink nothing but water. Nothing but water. One day. Can you do that? And uh, no soda, no juices, no sugary drinks. All you're going to drink is water. Can you do that? And... Uh, and uh, so that was his challenge to them, to help them understand the importance of water and the mission that they were doing. He asked, uh, he asked uh, those who held up a two. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the, uh, it was a week. He said a week. He said a week for number one. For number two, he said a month. Would you do this for a month? And that was their challenge. And they didn't realize what they were signing up for when they picked a number, right? So I'm like, okay, whatever. And uh, this was his challenge to them. It would be a kind of way of remembering the work they were doing. And, and for the three, he actually asked them to go without anything but water, only water drink for a year. And, uh, and I remember at one point, I don't know, it's halfway through the year, I'm talking with one of the parents. And uh, says, yeah, my teenager hasn't had soda in six months hasn't had anything else because they did this thing and where probably a lot of people are like, okay, yeah, that's funny, but there's no way I'm doing it. She held on to the challenge and she looks at water differently. It is, it is, a, it, it is a commitment of faith that she decided to make on that day even after she realized, wait, what did I just get myself into? <laughs> and uh, and so, so I remember being amazed that she has a totally different outlook on beverages, on, on what, get, what comes in because of that one 
moment. And this lady in our scripture has a moment with Jesus and she is going to start looking at water differently and realize that it is indeed for the sustenance for life, but God wants to give us life and fulfillment in ways she cannot imagine. And the passage scripture we come to is John chapter 4, verse 27. Now a lot of times... The reason I skip over this is because I get to the end of the chapter where she comes back and we find out that she is just, uh, she's continuing on the mission. But I find these verses to be quite interesting. Verse 27, just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, well, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? And then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city and she said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? And they left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to him, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And so the disciples said to one another, Well, surely no one has brought him something to eat. And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more and then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you. See how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper's already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows, another reaps. And I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored. And you have entered into their labor." This passage says when the disciples see Jesus, they immediately ask him, they say, what's going on here? Or or, or, or it says, no one has asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? You would have expected that. The woman was shocked there was talking the first one. But in this moment, in this time, the disciples don't say, well, what do you want? Why are you talking with her? And that's a weird kind of thing to include in the story. But I think one of the things we learn in the Gospels is one of the things the disciples do all the time is they ask Jesus, why are you talking with that person? We need to keep moving on. I mean, it's just a couple of weeks ago, right? We learned from the Gospel of Matthew that then the woman from Canaan came calling after Jesus. What did the disciples do? They said, Jesus, she won't shut up. Tell her to stop. And so they they asked, they pleaded, please, just tell her to stop. This lady from Tyre, tell her to stop. Uh, the most popular kind of Sunday school passage is when the children come along and the disciples are like, he doesn't have time for you. When Jesus says, let the children come unto me. Uh, and, and so uh, this, there's this story again and again of the disciples kind of getting in the way of those who want to come to Jesus. When a woman who, is, who has been sick for 14 years, continually, continually just bleeding out, she comes near to Jesus, and the crowds are all the way, and she just reaches out and barely gets the hem of his garment, and the scripture says he's, that she's healed. We find that oftentimes it is difficult for those who need Christ most to draw near, and sometimes it's because the disciples are getting in the way. But John chapter 4 tells us it's just the opposite for this time. That so often the gospel theme is that the disciples are trying to safeguard Jesus from those whom they might think are unworthy or slowing Him down. And usually when we think of you know 
who the bad guy is or who the person you don't want to be like in the scriptures. Usually we think of the Pharisees, we think of the teachers of the law, we think that's where we got to be harsh when we look at the scriptures, but sometimes it's us, it's the disciples. It's those who are following after Jesus, the ones who, who dropped everything and left everything. And this moment in John 4, 27 is the most rare occasion. The disciples don't ask, why are you talking with her? Because that's what they normally do. In our life and in our faith, it is easy to extend limitations to people. To extend limitations of grace. Oh, I know your past. I know where you've been. I, I know what you've done. Oh, I, I, I know where you mess up, or I know where you're not making the right choices. We, we extend limitations of grace. God's not going to be happy with you. God's not going to be happy with that. And we assume, so now I'm not going to be happy with that. And now, now we're just going to kind of like keep you at arm's length. We extend limitations of where Jesus is willing to go. It is this time when the disciples do not do this that we come to realize she has mission. She's given purpose. When the disciples don't do this, she finds her voice and then is able to go out into the town and say, I've met someone who knows everything that I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? And people say, well, let's find out. We want to come and see this. It's precisely where grace is extended and not judgment that she's able to find purpose and mission in life. If God has reached us, has claimed us, has invited us to drink heavily from the well of grace, from God's living water that flows through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, then we are called to enter into His plan and His purpose. And as we follow God, we become amazed again and again by where His love will take us. So we don't want to get in the way of that but we want to encourage that kind of movement. I gave an illustration uh, with a small group last week, and I'm going to share that today. Imagine, if you would, that you know, I'm living my life, or we're living our life, we're doing our thing. No, no eye on God, no, no plan, no, no purpose at all. And God comes along, because God's grace is always reaching out to us. God comes along and says, Hey, Tim, <laughs> hey, I, I've got a plan for you. Hey, guess what? I've been... Uh, I've been thinking about you. I've been alongside you all along. And so we're going our own way. And yet God comes alongside of us and sometimes in ways that we can't even begin to imagine. We can't even see yet. And it's trying to say, hey, I have a plan. I have a purpose for you. Would you follow after me? And somewhere in our life, we make a decision. And usually we have a great memory of that decision, a time in our life where maybe uh, in the comfort of our own home, maybe kneeling beside our bed, or maybe at a church, kneeling at an altar, or maybe just in a quiet time of prayer, we say, okay, God, here's my life. Okay, God, I believe you have a plan, you have a purpose for me. Do what you want. And so we go from living our way of life, God has nudged us, and we say, okay, I'm going to go wherever God wants but man, it's hard to leave back all the things that uh, I was just doing. <laughs> man, it's hard to leave behind all the judgment or the selfishness or, or whatever it is that, that, that defined my old life. But I'm trying to follow wherever God wants me to go. And we find that even after that, that, that crisis moment where we say, okay, God, I believe, I want to follow you, uh, uh, I want you to be Lord of my life, and we're following after him, we find sometimes we are still weighed down by sin. Sometimes we're still weighed down heavily by temptation, by old ways of life. 
But along the way, God continues to work in us, and His Spirit works in us. Like the woman at the well, there are moments where we say, okay, God's got the living water. He's going to sustain me. I can live and can continue to move closer to Him. And what happens in our life is we start realizing that everything behind becomes less and less appealing, and we are leaning in towards God all the more until finally we're like, okay, that's an old way of life. I don't want to go back towards. I want to leave that behind. I want God's love to fill me, to help me be exactly who he wants me to be in the life that he has given me, in the place that he has put me, that every word, every action would be, okay, God, what's your will? What's your plan? How do you want me to live faithfully to you in the work and in the day-to-day of my life? And that's the beauty about the grace of God. And as we're looking for him, I think what happens a lot of times in the walk of our faith is as we are trying to say, okay, I want to live more for God, I think we get kind of a, a sideways temptation, if you will. It's not a temptation maybe back to the old way of life, even though those still, still come at us. But it, well, sometimes I think we get tempted to, to I don't know, ignore, in ignoring everything of the past, we, we, we start to like look inward or something. We start to ignore everything around us as Christians. Okay, I just got to figure out what God wants for my life. Let's, let's go. Or maybe we know, okay, God... God is greater than anything that I can possibly dig out of myself or around me. God's greater than that. I'm just going for that. Whatever it is, I don't know what it looks like. Like that goal is around the bend. I can't see it. I'm just living faithfully for that. And I think what happens sometimes is we become so, I don't know if it's laser focused or inward focused or whatever, that we start to like get like these blinders on where we can't see what's happening around us and sometimes where God is moving in ways that we can't imagine. And I think what happens is hopefully in our life and hopefully in our walk of faith, what we start to realize is in our movement of faithfulness to God, we start to remember that our God is the one who has loved us at all stages of life. And that in running towards God, we will find that God is still tapping people on shoulders. God is still walking alongside of those who have no idea who He is and saying, I want you to recognize I have a plan and a purpose. I want you to turn from that way of life to a new way of life. And so so what we start to realize as we're following after God and saying, okay, God, how can I be more faithful? What does that look like? Sometimes God removes those blinders for us. And we start to realize, my journey towards God is going to take me right back to where I was. Not not going that direction, but walking alongside those people to help them turn. To, 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 To help come to a place of repentance. To help come to a place of God has a plan and a purpose for you. That the grace of God is still at work in those who aren't fully committed yet. And what we don't want to be are those who get in the way of that. In Matthew 18, Jesus will say, Woe to those persons who cause anyone to stumble. Any of these little ones to stumble. And so this word of the disciples, who for once don't get in the way, creates a mission opportunity for this woman as she goes into the town to say exactly who Jesus is. And so the disciples ask Jesus, Okay, Here we are now. We left for a while. We got some food. We're back. Let's eat. And Jesus says he's not ready to eat. And they're probably thinking, all right, who gave him a snack? (laughs) He spoiled his dinner. (laughs) Why why don't you want to eat? Did did you eat already? What's going on here? 
And just as Jesus taught the woman at the well to look at water differently, I think He is teaching them to look at food differently. Can you think of when you've ever had to look at food differently? If you go to the doctor and the doctor says to you, oh, well, you're, I don't know, pre-diabetic or something. All of a sudden, you look at food differently. It used to be food that was really good, it was great, it was wonderful, it brought great joy. Now it's trying to kill you. <laughs> you look at food differently. If you have an allergy that develops, you start to look at food differently. Shopping trips take an extra half hour or an hour because you've got to make sure the ingredients function. If you're pregnant... <laughs> You look at food differently. I never knew these two tasted so good together. Like food just has a different function and a different purpose. You look at it different. Uh, After a long hike or run or a fast, fast food doesn't look good at all. (laughs) That's not something you want to engage in because you know you're not going to feel good after completely emptying yourself. We look at food differently in different circumstances. And Jesus invites his disciples to look at it differently. They come with food, and he's like, I have food you don't know anything about. I'm talking about the sustenance God provides in our life precisely by doing his will. And he forces them to kind of change their mind about how they understand food, how they understand something so basic. And then he says to them, now let's go to the harvest. Now that your eyes have been opened, now that you're thinking differently, let's go to the harvest. We're thinking about water differently. We're thinking about food differently. Now we're thinking about where does God's grace go differently. I can't help but think now that I look at this passage and light of thinking of water differently, thinking of food differently. When he says, now let's go in the harvest harvest field, it is ready. The seeds have been planted. God's been tapping on shoulders all along. He's been softening hearts all along. He says, now go into the harvest. On the one hand, just like all the evangelists have told me, just as I've heard this, this scripture quoted so many times, most often in the King James, the field is white unto harvest. Like this, it is ready. We are, we are to be at work with what God is doing. It is a calling for us, absolutely true. And Jesus says to the disciples, in light of the changing understandings of water and food, let us think differently about our mission that God has called us on to. Because our mission is precisely to those whom Jesus has just been changing our minds about. That to find that God's grace sometimes surprises us by where it's willing to go. It means making disciples isn't based on whether you have enough money or whether you have too much money. God cares about you. God's grace doesn't matter about whether or not uh, you've got a past like this woman at the well did or whether uh, you don't. Uh, well, I think we all kind of do. Uh, It doesn't matter precisely how ugly it's gotten. God has a new future and a new plan for you. God's grace is not limited by our preconceived notions about who gets to get close to Jesus. We are just called to be faithful wherever God's Spirit is moving and wherever God's Spirit is beckoning and to be surprised at the faithfulness we find along the way to be surprised by God's grace, to be open to where God sends us, and to be faithful to love and serve and invite people into the presence of God. And we might be surprised indeed by where God sends us and where God sends those to whom he has brought us to be faithful. Because God is continually at work and cares immensely for this world that we are in. Lost, on the way, 
figuring out where they are. God's grace is there, and he invites us to go and walk alongside with them. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, today uh, is a day we remember that your grace in our life gives us purpose and gives us mission, gives us indeed a direction. And Heavenly Father, our, our walk of faith is not just a lonely direction. It's not just a direction of, well, I've got my faith and I'm just working on me, but it is a direction precisely where what the work you do in us happens precisely as we walk alongside those whom you are also working on. Thank you for that love. Thank you for that kindness. And Heavenly Father, I pray that indeed you would, as we say, give us more of your love. Give us more of your power and find it is precisely in how you show us to love that we find your grace and the power of your grace is exhibited again and again. Thank you, Lord, so much for this church, for each one here. And uh, I thank you for the ways in which they have walked faithfully alongside you and have come alongside people. And I am praying, Heavenly Father, that you would help us to keep at that. And where we recognize there's more, Lord, help us to be more faithful. Where we recognize we can lean a little harder into your grace, Lord, help us to do that. But Heavenly Father, I am thankful that you, you are the God who continues to welcome and beckon us closer to your sustaining grace. Help, help us to uh, turn to you and to not get in the way of where you will turn us. And uh, we pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. More sermons are available online at our website, capenazarene.org. Our website also includes instructions for subscribing to our podcast so you can have a message delivered to you weekly. May God bless you abundantly as you serve Him today.